Let's open our Bibles, chapter 4 of Philippians. And we just got a couple of verses there. We got plenty of time. We looked last week at uh, verses 6 and 7 about anxiety and the fact that we need help. That, you know, it was defined as being pulled in lots of different directions of worry and fear, anticipation. And, you know, we have these anxiety attacks and, and uh, the question is, what are you anxious about? And the, and the uh, other question is, what should we do? And what did he tell us that we should do? Pray. You should pray. That's what he says there in verse uh, 6. Let me find it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. About everything, nothing too big, nothing too small. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. He promises His peace to us. But we got to pray. If we wander around thinking we're in charge of the universe and we're in charge of everything and, and we wonder why we're so full of anxiety, well, we haven't stopped to take, a time, take some time to pray. Lay it before God. And God's peace will come. It, sometimes it comes instantaneously. We talked about that. Sometimes it takes a little while, but... But Isaiah chapter 26 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the rock, the Lord is the rock eternal. So it's really about trusting in him. He knows what's going on. He knows where we are. He knows what's happening. It says that it guards our hearts, that peace. It guards our hearts and our minds. That's the peace of God. So today in verses 8 and 9, we, we see the God of peace Finish, finishes up in the last part of verse 9 about the God of peace. Let's read those two verses. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you, whatever you have heard, excuse me, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So verses 6 and 7, he talks about praying, you know, the anxiety, the troubles we all face and being in this world. But we need to pray and God sends his peace. And now he talks about a few other things in these two verses. One is, is, is a right thinking, how we think. But he also talks about action in verse 9. And then it comes back around to the God of peace. So the first thing in verse 8 is, is pretty interesting when I, when I was quote unquote thinking about this. Is this thought life that we have. What we think about... Does it affect us? What we think about? Of course it does. You know that um, acronym uh, G-I-G-O? Anybody know what that is? Garbage in, garbage out. If, if we're full of garbage, we're going to be full of garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. And so he's talking here to, to, to be thinking about the, 
the, the good stuff, those things that he listed there. We can think about good stuff or we can think about bad stuff. Now, uh, I have to ask the question, are we just talking about PMA here? Does anybody know what PMA is? And I'm not talking PMS. Does anybody know what PMA is? How old are you, first of all? If you, if you are older like me, you'll know what PMA is. Positive mental attitude. You don't remember that? That was like big for a while. You just got to have PMA. Yeah, but I got PMS. No. <clears throat> you just got to have PMA and everything in your life is going to be wonderful. Well, you know, they were, that was on a very, very uh, humanistic kind of level, really, is what that was. There's some truth in it, really, in a sense. And that's the truth of what God's Word is saying here, is that, that what we fill our mind with is, is important. And what we fill our thought life with is very important. It does affect us. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we are to be made new in the attitude of our minds. We're to be made new in the attitude of our minds. We need to think differently. We, you know, you, you read those passages where, where Paul talks about, you know, we were like this, but now we're like this because there's been a change. But it needs to change the way we think even. What we think about. To be made new in the attitude of our minds. We're not, we don't just go on the same way and, well, we're going to heaven, but, you know, I'm just going to carry on in this way. Paul says here that we have some choice in the matter, doesn't he? He says, think about such things. We don't have time to look at every passage that I wanted you to turn to, but in the, in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, before the flood, it says these words, The Lord... The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And his heart was filled with pain. Why? What is he saying? His heart was filled with pain because of, because of what was going on inside the people. Their minds were only filled with evil. He's saying here that we need to fill our minds with something different than evil, right? The natural human way is to go that way. The sin nature, that's where, that's where the sin nature is going to take us. The flesh is going to take us that way. So you and I, he says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When I was looking at this, I, I noticed... You notice this, in, in, that there's a word that's repeated over and over again? What is it? Whatever. <laughs> you know, and, and I thought, you know, that's, that's what the world says. They just say, whatever. You, you've heard it, right? Whatever. You can say it depends on how you say it. It has different meanings. Whatever. Or, you know, well, Whatever. But that's the kind of attitude that, that the world has. And, and for us to just think and, and, and let our minds be filled with whatever, that's da very dangerous to let our, ourselves be led down the path of whatever. And so he makes it very clear here that the whatever isn't just whatever. It doesn't just stop at whatever. It, it goes on to this list of things here. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Not just whatever comes by, not just whatever's there, not just whatever's on TV. 
You know, we can make choices. Interesting, he said there in that verse 7 that, that the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that? But someone said this, that though his peace is standing guard, each of us still determines what he or she will think about. He's not going to force us to think differently. He's not, you know, we still have free will. We still have choices that you and I can make. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 12, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Be transformed, be changed, be different. You're not to be the same as you were before. He says, then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what we're going to be able to know is as He's transforming, renewing our minds. We're being transformed. We're not just being conformed to the pattern of this world. That's our default mode, right? doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. The default mode is to just whatever. You're watching something on TV and you, you know, whatever. Oh, that's just the way it is now. That's just what, you know, it's all like that. We've got to be very careful what we let in. I think it's getting worse, too. PG used to be pretty good. Now it's pretty garbage. I hate to say it. Well, I can watch PG-13, or I can watch R, I can all this stuff. You know what, I, I saw a PG movie recently, and I could not believe what was in PG. I could not believe it was, it was, it was horrible. And it was supposed to be a family, quote-unquote, film. Family film. It was, it was horrible. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. I'm embarrassed that I actually watched it. God's calling us to be different people. We're called to be different. We're, we're called to, to think differently. What we let in our minds, what we fill our minds with, we're called to be different. Well, does that mean I can't do this and I can't do that? I don't know. For, for each one of us, our situations are all different. We're different people. But all I can tell you is what it says right here. I was reading a book. Uh, Charles Swindoll wrote a book, and, and uh, he was talking about speaking and different things and and he said that uh that there was a church you know and he and he said that he, he kept building this up you know he's going to do a message this particular sunday night uh, you know on what the bible says about tv and you know he's just playing this up and finally you know the place is packed out because they want to know what the bible says about tv and and then he got up there and he and he he what he did was he changed the words instead of television he said true victory or total victory and people got up and left because he had been dishonest i'm not going to sit here and tell you that all tv is bad i'm not going to sit here and tell you what the bible says about tv strange thing i've noticed though that when you go all around the world and you know the people may not have running water but they got tv piped into their house I think, we need to, I think we need to think about what we think about. That's what it is. Take some thinking to decide what we'll be thinking about. Is this going to be good for me? Is this, you know, if I listen to death metal, oh, it's okay. I like the beat. I like whatever. 
I don't even know what death metal is, to be honest with you. But if you fill your minds with something that's like that, is it going to be healthy for you? Are you going to find the God of peace in your life? Doubtful. I think we need to just think about what we think about. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, this, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This word think means to continually focus your mind. It's, it's, a, it's a decision to continually focus your mind. One man said this, the human mind will always set itself on something. So Paul is telling us to set it on the right things. He says it is a law of life that if a man thinks of something often enough, he'll come to the stage when he can't stop thinking about it. Someone else said not only that, you, you start thinking about it, you think about it so much, then you end up doing. Action follows, as we see in, in the next idea here is about action. What we think about, what goes on. In Psalm 10, it says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. May that not be true of us. We're not, you know, we've been born again if we have given our lives to Jesus Christ and, and we've been set apart. There should be only room for God. Now, is that natural? Is that like normal? Is it like, do we have any kind of battle there? No, of course not. It's a daily, daily thing that you and I have to decide. Well, I'm going to think about the right things. I'm going to make some choices today about what I allow into my heart, into my mind. We sing that song, Search Me, O God, Know My Heart, Test Me, Know My Thoughts. The writer of the Hebrews says, and again, you know, we had more time, I'd be turning to every one of these, but Hebrews chapter 3 says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And then later in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Gets right in there, what we think about our heart and our mind. The Word of God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a few of these we, we do have time to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. I think the mind is a battlefield, don't you? We either just uh, give up or we fight. And Paul's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we need to fight. Let's start in verse 4. Uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Does that sound like uh, he's, he's uh, urging us to, to fight and that we can do it and that, that we 
through the power that God, the weapons that we fight with, the spiritual weapons that we have, the, the word of God and prayer, fellowship, that we have the power to demolish strongholds. And you know what? In, in many of our lives, myself included, there are strongholds in our minds and the way we think, but God wants to demolish those and through, through his word and through prayer. But you, we have to make a choice. Are we just going to say whatever? Well, I was like this and, you know. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive. Warren Wiersbe said, thoughts are real and powerful even though they cannot be seen, weighed, or measured. We must bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. That bar is pretty, pretty high, isn't it? That's a pretty high bar, isn't it? But should we just say, well, the bar's so high, I'm not even going to try? I'm not even going to think about it? Pardon my pun. No, we need to think about it. We need to think about it. What are my thoughts filled with? Where does my mind keep going? And I want to encourage you today that the power of God is, is real to help us demolish strongholds and take captive our thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. It truly affect us, affects us. Someone said back in the 1600s, he says, As nothing is more easy than to think, so nothing is more difficult than to think well. It's not going to be easy. It's easy to think, but it's not always easy to think well and to think right and to think like Paul's saying here in Philippians chapter 4. But someone else said this, good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. And man is his own gardener. Good thoughts, let me read that one more time. I like that. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. And man is his own gardener. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. He talks in verse 8 about what we think about. And, and then in verse 9 he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Now he talks about action, right? Talks about what you do. And he kind of puts them close together here. And, and uh, one man said this, the fact that it comes so closely after verse 8 is significant. Right living results from right thinking. If a person's thought life is pure, then his life will be pure. On the other hand, if a person's mind is a fountain of corruption, then you can be sure that the stream that issues from it will be filthy also. How we think affects how we live affects what we do. So he says we got to put it into practice and 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 I, you know, it's like don't just think about it, but put it into practice, do it. Don't just think about thinking good things. Think about them but then do it. We always have to take it that next step, right? We need to do. Not that we're saved by works, but but God has called us to not just think about good stuff, but it affects the way we live. We make right choices because we think right thoughts and good, we think the good things. 
But notice what he said. I looked at this verse here in verse 9. He said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Paul the Apostle, notice he, he taught them. He gave to them. He spoke to them. But he also lived it, didn't he? That's what it says. Whatever you have seen in me. He had that personal example and he lived it. And, and on the other side, for us, he says, whatever you have learned, we need to learn. We need to be learners. Whatever you have received, we, we need to receive. We don't, we, sometimes we're afraid to, to receive. We're, and sometimes we're just plain too stubborn to accept what God is saying to us or what maybe someone is saying to us or maybe what someone is trying to give to us. Whatever you have heard, we need to listen. Whatever you've seen, we need to watch. But then we need to put it into practice. We learn, we receive, we hear, we see. But don't just stop there. He says, put it into practice. In the Sermon on the Mount, Mount Jesus said that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he talks about the foolish man who doesn't put them into practice as a building on sand. One of the most incredible verses, I think, is, is uh, in John chapter 13 when Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. That was an incredible thing. The, you know, the king of kings, the Lord of the universe, Jesus, God the Son, is now you know, going around and washing the feet of his disciples. Absolutely incredible. But he says at the end of all that, he says these words. He says, now that you know these things, he said, you know, the servant is not greater than the master. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not if you just think about them, but if you do them. And how does he finish there? He says, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. One commentator said this, that... that uh, he, he said that that was Paul's favorite title for God because he used that particular phrase most frequently. The God of peace. The God of peace. So we have the, we have the peace from God through prayer. And now we have the God of peace with us through how we think and through how we act. Does that make sense? See what he's saying there? His very presence with us. I want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we will finish with that. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. We see another place where Paul used that term, the God of peace. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. 
couple of things about that verse. Notice that, you know, God doesn't ask us to do something that he is not also willing to come and help us do. He doesn't say, just think good thoughts. See, that's the worldly thinking of PMA. It's just, you know, it's all up to you. Well, we have to make the decision to follow God's word and be obedient. But, but the God of peace, the God, God himself, it says here, he will sanctify. He will set us apart. He, our whole spirit, soul, and body will, will be kept blameless. He is the one who has called us. And he's faithful. He is faithful. He will do it. God is faithful. It's all about him. It's not about us. But you know what? If we want victory, we need to do it his way. If we want to know the God of peace, we need to do it his way. We can't just follow along with the world and, and expect that, you know, something will turn out right. No, we've got to listen to him. We've got to learn. We've got to watch. Pay attention to the kind of stuff that goes in, what's going on inside of our minds, Think about the right things. Do the right thing. And the God of peace will be with you because he is faithful. And he will help us to do that, you see.